0: Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This discussion is going to be on Alma chapter 41, which is a continuation of Alma's talking to his son, Corianton, who uh, left the mission field. Uh, This has got also some good um, uh, information about resurrection, life after death, and so on. So this is uh, another exceptional doctrinal chapter. Chapter 41, verse 1. And now, my son, I have somewhat to say concerning the restoration, meaning the law of harvest, of which has been spoken. For behold, some have rested, meaning to twist or distort the scriptures, and have gone far astray because of this thing. If we rationalize the scriptures to support our sins, we, we we will be led astray. And I perceive that thy mind has been worried also concerning this thing. Behold, I will explain it unto thee. I say unto thee, my son, that the plan of restoration is requisite with the justice of God, for it is requisite that all things should be restored to their proper order. The resurrection is a perfect manifestation of a larger law, the law of restoration. It illustrates beautifully the justice and order upon which the kingdom of heaven is founded. In the resurrection, each person is called forth by that law to which he has chosen to give allegiance. Thus, those choosing to live a celestial law will be called forth in a celestial resurrection. Those who choose to live a terrestrial standard will come forth in a terrestrial resurrection, the adherents of a celestial standard will come forth in a celestial resurrection, and the sons of perdition will come forth in a resurrection of their own. The order of resurrection is from most righteous to most wicked. Christ is the firstfruits of them that slept and the sons of perdition will be the last. In the morning of the first resurrection, celestial spirits will be inseparably united with celestial bodies. In the afternoon of the first resurrection, terrestrial spirits will be eternally united with terrestrial bodies. In the morning of the second resurrection, or the resurrection of the unjust, celestial spirits will be endlessly bound with celestial bodies. And finally, those who even in the resurrection are filthy still, the sons of perdition, will be called forth. And that's uh, if we uh, study section 88, verses 29 to 32, it mentions that. <clears throat> verse uh, Continuing verse 2, Behold, it is requisite and just, according to the power and resurrection of Christ, that the soul of man should be restored to its body, and that every part of the body should be restored to itself. And it is requisite with the justice of God that men should be judged according to their works, and if their works were good in this life, and the desires of their hearts were good, that they should also at the last day be restored into that which is good, how perfect the wisdom of God, both heart and soul will be weighed in the balance on judgment day. It is the combination of, one, works accomplished in the stewardships given, and, two, the desires of the heart that give the true weight of the soul. We will each be judged according to that, to what we did in the circumstances that were ours and to what we would have done if we had been allowed control over those circumstances. Such are the seeds we planted, and such will be the harvest we will reap. Verse 4, And if, we, and if their works are evil, they shall be restored unto them for evil. Therefore all things shall be restored to their proper order, everything to its natural frame. Mortality raised to immortality, corruption to incorruption, raised to endless happiness to inherit the kingdom of God, or to endless misery to inherit the kingdom of the devil, the one on one hand, the other on the other. The one raised to happiness according to his desires of happiness, or good according to his desires of good, and the other to evil according to his desires of evil. For as he has desired to do evil all the day long, even so shall he have the reward of evil when the night cometh. Delano said, just as we will be accountable for our evil desires, we will also be rewarded for our righteous ones. Our Father in Heaven will receive a truly righteous desire as a substitute for actions that are genuinely impossible. <clears throat> Brigham Young said, no matter what the outward appearance is, if I can know of a truth that the hearts of the people are fully set to do the will of, fa- of their Father in Heaven, though they may falter and do many a And do a great many things through the weaknesses of human nature yet will be saved if their motives are pure no matter whether their outward appearance is particularly precise their acts will be discerned by the spirit of the lord and will be appreciated for what they were intended if people act from pure motives though their outward movements may not always be so pleasant as our traditions would prefer yet god will make those acts result in the best good to the people M. Russell Russell Ballard said, if you have a bad habit, do you think death is going to change it? Do you think that habit will simply dissolve in some miraculous way and will no longer be with you? I believe that the Lord impresses upon you and me the need to repent and live the law, keep the commandments, and keep our lives aligned to the celestial goal, because it is when we are here in mortality that the body and the spirit can learn together. For example, when a man who smokes dies and his body is placed six feet into the ground, Is there any reason for us to believe that when his body comes back up out of the ground, it will no longer have the desires that it had when it was laid down? I do not think so. I think that the body will rise in the resurrection with the same desires, and that the body and the spirit together must work out this matter of eternal salvation. Verse 6. And so it is, on the other hand, if he hath repented of his sins and desired righteousness until the end of his days... Even so, he shall be rewarded unto righteousness, even if our actions don't totally conform to our righteous desires. These are they that are redeemed of the Lord. Yea, these are they that are taken out, that are delivered from that endless night of darkness. And thus they stand or fall, for behold, they are their own judges, whether to do good or to do evil. In the ultimate sense, Christ, Jehovah, is the keeper of the gate and the judge of all men and women. In addition, priesthood leaders, as exemplified by the twelve who will judge the whole house of Israel, stand as judges of those persons who lived and labored during their ministry and under their direction. In one sense, however, each of us becomes his his or her own judge, since we make those decisions which determine the kind of life we will live here, and thus where and with whom we will dwell hereafter. Truly, as Samuel warned, whosoever perisheth, perisheth unto himself, and whosoever doeth iniquity doeth it unto himself. For behold, ye are free, ye are permitted to act for yourselves. Because in that day of judgment the works of men will be evident, because there will be nothing hidden, and because we will have a perfect knowledge of our uncleanness as well as our happiness. It will not be necessary for a designated person to consider our case and adjudicate our life. We will be what we have become. Our natures will have been prepared for that kingdom of glory, which is most appropriate to the decisions we have made in mortality. Elder McConkie said the reality is that there will be a whole hierarchy of judges who, under Christ, shall judge the righteous. He alone shall issue the decrees of damnation for the wicked. Joseph Smith said that the the great misery of departed spirits in the world of spirits, where they go after death, is to know that they come short of the glory that others enjoy, and that they might have enjoyed themselves, and they are their own accusers. Verse 8, Now the decrees of God are unalterable, therefore the way is prepared that whosoever will may walk therein and be saved. Salvation is available to all who choose the path of faith and obedience. It is occasionally taught that some were born into this life without the capacity to obtain the fullness of the Father. The idea suggests that God is without the capacity to save all of his creations and that he has given commandments to some which they cannot keep. Such suggestions are neither flattering to God, nor in accord with scriptural writ. Indeed, the third article of faith states, we believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved, meaning exalted, by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. If the command to accept the gospel is to all, the promise of its blessings must likewise be to all. And that was by Milton McConkie. Verse 9, And now behold, my son, do not risk one more offense against God, against your God upon those points of doctrine which ye have hitherto risked to commit sin. And then here's a scripture mastery verse. Do not suppose, because it has been spoken concerning restoration, that ye shall be restored from sin to happiness. Behold, I say unto you, wickedness never was happiness. Justice will not permit happiness in sin. Happiness is the object and design of our existence and will be the end thereof if we pursue the path that leads to it. And this path is virtue, uprightness, faithfulness, holiness, and keeping all the commandments of God. That was by Joseph Smith. I once heard a man say that there are two doors to sin. The front door is pride and the back door is low self-esteem. Many times people sin not because they really want to or because they are rebellious, but because they are so discouraged, so filled with hopelessness, or so desirous of meeting their basic needs that they go after them in unwise ways. Someone once noted that the majority of sins committed by people are an inadequate or misguided attempt to meet meet our basic needs. Most sins are not committed by evil people, just misguided people, and that was by Gerald Lund. The gravitation of sin to sorrow is as certain as that of the earth to the sun. That was by David O. McKay. In the Strength of Youth pamphlet, it states, You cannot do wrong and feel right. It is impossible. Satan would have you believe that happiness comes only as you surrender to his enticements to self-indulgence. We need only to look at the shattered lives of those who violate God's laws to know why Satan is called the father of all lies. Joy and happiness come from living the way the Lord wants you to live. Verse 11. And now, my son, all men that are in a state of nature, or I would say in a carnal state, are in the gall of bitterness and in the bonds of iniquity. They are without God in the world, and they have gone contrary to the nature of God. Therefore, they are in a state contrary to the nature of happiness. The natural man is working against God and against himself. And now, behold, is the meaning of the word restoration to take a thing of a natural state and place it in an unnatural state or to place it in a state opposite to its nature. Oh, my son, this is not the case, but the meaning of the word restoration is to bring back again evil for evil or carnal for carnal or devilish for devilish, good for that which is good, righteous for that which is righteous, just for that which is just, merciful for that which is merciful. Hugh Nibley said, in the next world, we guarantee maximum satisfaction. You will get exactly what you want. What you want and what pleases you may be horrendously shocking to somebody else, but if that's what you want, you'll have it. Jeffrey R. Holland said, the spiritual impact of that doctrine of restoration is sobering for those who who may have believed that Christ's atonement and their resurrection would somehow bring something more than was deserved. Alma made it very clear that if our works are good in this life and the desires of our hearts are good, then in the resurrection we will be restored to that which is good. But by the same token, if our works are evil, then our reward will be the restoration of evil in the resurrection. And then verse 14, Therefore, my son, see that you are merciful unto your brethren. We don't know the desires in the hearts of others, so we can't know the motives of, of their actions. It is better not to judge them by what appears to be true on the surface. Deal justly, judge righteously, and do good continually. And if ye do all these things, then shall ye receive your reward. Yea, ye shall have mercy restored unto you again. Ye shall have justice restored unto you again. If we don't extend mercy to others, we will have the full effects of justice upon us. You shall have a righteous judgment restored unto you again, and ye shall have good rewarded unto you again. For that which ye do send out shall return unto you again. This sounds a lot like the scripture in uh, in Luke, "What goes around comes around." Luke Luke 6:38, which is my favorite scripture, by the way. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For the for with the same measure that ye meet, withal it shall be measured to you again. And then finishing verse 15, and be restored, therefore, the word restoration more fully condemneth the sinner and justifieth him not at all. And that's the end of uh, that chapter, chapter 41. I know that these things are true, that as we extend mercy, uh, mercy to others, then we will receive mercy from the Lord uh, when we need it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. See you next time.